You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendias. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode so your last one of the week before the Rams go against the Arizona Cardinals in week four. And this is going to be a mailbag episode. You guys shot over a bunch of good questions like you always do. And we're going to dive into a lot of different topics from what the Rams may be doing on defense right now. That's a little bit different than they did last year, as well as some questions about the rookies. So we'll get into all of that in just a second here. Just wanted to tell you guys before we dive into all of that, that this episode is brought to you by Run Your Pool. You can go check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use our promo code locked on at checkout. They'll take care of you guys there. So now we can dive into some of these questions here. And before we get into that, just for a quick update, it sounds like Los Angeles Rams running back Daryl Henderson has somewhat rejoined practice. So there is a chance that he could be able to suit up this week, which is good. Another thing, the Rams did bring Obo Okoronko, edge rusher, off of IR. So now at some point, he could rejoin the team as an active player and somebody who can contribute on the defensive side of the ball, which is obviously good news because they did just lose Justin Hollins, the other edge rusher, the former starter, to a long injury that's going to somewhat put him on the side for maybe two months, maybe three months. We're not 100% sure, but he's going to get it surgically repaired, his torn pec. So not great news. With that being said, they did also sign an outside linebacker by the name of Jameer Jones. Don't know much about him. He did pretty well in the preseason. I think he had like 14 pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. A couple of sacks. Played for, I want to say, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as the Seattle Seahawks. So maybe not to expect much out of him going forward. But for now, that is one of the names that they added. And I wanted to bring that up to you guys before we dive into these questions, which we can now do. The very first one here is from my guy, at V. Will Arvin. He said, are there any formations on defense that Raheem Morris has used that is different from Brian Staley that you find effective? And for the most part, I mean, they've been relatively similar. So I got some of the numbers here from PFF. I pulled them up. And when you look at it, cover one this year, 7.3% of the time they've run it. Last year, 10.2%. Not that big of a difference. Cover two, 2.9% right now. 2.2% last year. Cover three, 35.1% this year. Last year, 24.8%. And then cover four, this year, 18.5%. Last year, 25%. So the biggest difference is the cover three, cover four aspect where, you know, we kind of expected this. Raheem Morris is sort of a guy that does like to play with that traditional one high safety kind of scheme. So the cover one, cover three type of stuff where Brandon Staley was typically too high all the time, cover two, cover four, cover six. And so that's probably been the biggest difference. Now, personally, I would prefer what Brandon Staley did, but at the same time, the Rams have been very safe in terms of trying to keep everything in front. They haven't really been beaten over the top. So you can't complain. I think for the most part, it's been very similar in terms of the performance, at least. So we'll see how it ends up going throughout these next few weeks. But I think for now, they feel pretty good about what they've done. So you can't really complain. But that's really been the biggest difference between Raheem Morris and Brandon Staley. Just how many times they've really run cover three versus cover four. And outside of that, it's really been a lot of the same. You look at five guys on the line of scrimmage a lot of the times, some of the tight fronts, a lot of that kind of stuff, only one linebacker. That's all stuff that they carried over from last year going into this year too. The next one is from at BK Bebon. He said, since being involved in a close camp battle for his job and nearly getting released, how has Johnny Hecker performed early in the season and what have his coaches been saying about his performance? And I think for the most part, he's been average. You know, this is not his best season. That's definitely for sure. 
You know, you're not looking at him booming 50, 55 yard punts continuously, but at the same time, they don't need him to, right? This is a guy who might be a little bit rusty because he's just not asked to punt the ball often, which is a good thing. You don't want your punter out there. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? You look at the one hand aspect of it where your punter is not playing that great. So you don't feel great about that. But at the same time, the other end of it is he's really not out there at all. And that's what you want. I mean, if he never seen the field again, that's a good thing. So we'll see how it works out. But I think for now, it's been a little bit similar to what it was last year. Not his peak performance. Not exactly sure why. I wonder what's going on there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like Corey Bohorquez is doing really much better at all. So I think for now, the Rams feel pretty good about where they're at in terms of the punting game. Hey, man, as long as you're not getting beat for long touchdowns and as long as you're not out there as often as the 2010 Rams were, I think you're feeling pretty good about where you are. The next one is from at JB underscore peoples. Shout out. Happy birthday, JB. You're going to be listening to this on Friday, so it's a day belated. But uh, happy birthday, my friend. Enjoy yourself and uh, be safe. He said, is Jalen Ramsey the swaggiest player in Rams history? Do you think he can top the fit that we saw last Sunday? And for those that haven't seen, he pulled up to the game. I think it was like an R8 in an Audi R8 or something like that. I don't even know the car. And it was all decked out in like blue and yellow. And he came out in like this mariachi band uniform and he looked so swaggy. I mean, I was crying of laughter because it was hilarious. He's got the sombrero on, the big hat. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, Just like get up. It looks so dope. He's got the big belt buckle, the whole nine yards. uh, So funny. He's walking out to I got five on it by the loonies. It was incredible. I don't know if there's ever going to be a swaggier player. The guy is so lovable, man. He's funny. He's so passionate on the field. He's unreal at what he does. There's no doubt about that. But he's just hilarious too. Like he's so funny off the field. And he seems like a genuinely good guy, which is weird because the reputation of him in Jacksonville was nothing like what we've experienced in LA. So kind of funny how that's worked out. But I think for the most part right now, he's looked amazing. And he fits in perfectly with the locker room, all the guys there, it seems like. So you got to love that. The last one here in this segment from at Frank underscore NJ 93. He said, who do you think will fill the void left over by Justin Hollins? And we talked about him a few minutes ago coming off of IR, Obo Okoronko. That is my pick. I think this guy is arguably the best pass rusher, at least from the edge spot on this team. Like, you know, there's Leonard Floyd, of course. This guy's very established. We know he's a very solid, good player. But then you look after him. Hollins was great. It's going to be hard to fill in. Terrell Lewis, how much can the Rams really depend on this guy? He flashed a little bit in this last game, which gives me some hope. But I just don't know that he can ever really play 50 or 60 snaps, which is always a concern, something that you have to think about. And then after him, how much do they really have left over? You know, you're looking at guys like Okoronko now, who, again, also has durability issues too, which is concerning. And then after him, Chris Garrett just got reactivated from that COVID-19 list. So we'll see what he can do. But it's really kind of like a smorgasbord kind of situation here where you're just throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. You're going to see what sticks. We don't really know what's going to happen. My pick is I'm going to go with the guy who's most reliable in terms of the actual pass rushing aspect of things, the guy that I probably like the most coming out of college. So I'm going to go with Okoronko, but it might take him a few weeks to just sort of knock that rust off, get into playing shape because he has been on the short-term IR list for three weeks. So we'll see what happens there. Of course, you know, there's a lot of depth up there when you talk about guys like Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, that defensive line specifically, the guys with their hands in the dirt, Sebastian Joseph Day, some of those other names. So I think the Rams feel pretty good about whoever they're going to plug in in these spots. And ultimately, they're going to have a big test here coming up against Kyler Murray, arguably the hardest quarterback in the NFL to take down and to maintain rush lanes against. This guy is a legitimate 4-3 threat 
in terms of this 40-yard dash. He is so hard to catch up to, and he is tiny, so you can't really see him back there. But in just a second here, we're going to dive into some of these remaining questions. You guys can always come follow us on Twitter at QBsMEP, at LockedOnRams, and on YouTube at LockedOnRams as well. And I wanted to tell you guys that everyone who drives should download this app. It is called Get Upside. You're going to get free 25 cents cash back on every gallon of gas that you fill up. You really can't go wrong. I mean, it's free money coming back to you for every time you fill up on gas. And I'm sure a lot of you guys listen to us on your commute. Some of you guys maybe just drive for fun, whatever. You know, you got to fill up. And this is a good way to get some money back reimbursed in your first tank. You can get up to 50 cents cash back for that first tank fill up on every gallon. I mean, you can't go wrong. The promo code is touchdown. The app is called Get Upside. It's free. It's available on the App Store, Google Play, wherever you got it on your phone. You can go find it. You can cash out at any time you want. There's no issues there. You can get cash, gift cards, PayPal, whatever you prefer. Any route works. Again, the promo code is touchdown. The app is called Get Upside. It is totally free. You can get up to 50 cents cash back for every gallon that you fill up with, particularly on your first tank. Now we can dive into some of these other questions. And for those that don't follow me on Twitter or don't really know what happened on YouTube, there was a funny comment from somebody called SoundChaser77. And uh, I like to joke around. I'm quite sarcastic. He basically said, your podcast is boring. You got to loosen up a little bit. You're too tight. Uh, You should have a drink before the next podcast. And I was laughing. I'm like, well, you know, I probably should drink before work. That's a great suggestion. I mean, everyone should do that. That sounds like a really good idea. So sound chaser, we'll see what happens. The walls are still a little bit bare, unfortunately for me, but we'll try and take care of that soon. We'll see what happens. On to the next question. We're going to dive back into these from at LA Ramsey 46. He said, now that there are three games in and we see how well Brian Allen is playing, would you still prefer taking Creed Humphrey over Tutu Atwell in the draft? That is a good question. I think just because Obviously, like you mentioned, Brian Allen's been awesome. I mean, Creed Humphrey probably doesn't start on this team right now. Maybe he does at center. I don't know. It's a question mark. But at the end of the day, I think the Rams feel pretty good about their offensive line. And from watching these guys over the last three games, I feel damn good about where they're at. There is no issues with their performance from my end. So in terms of the immediate impact right now, I mean, neither guy probably would have did anything. But the draft is not a one-year decision. Not if you're a good team, at least. You should be worried about the next four years, which is how long their rookie contracts are. So, you know, I'm thinking about two, three, four years down the line. In that case, I mean, I'm happy with Tutu Atwell because Deshaun Jackson's only going to be here for a year. His contract is up by the end of this season. And then the Rams are going to be back in that same spot where they didn't have a deep threat if they didn't have Tutu Atwell on the roster. So next year, he's going to inherit that role and play that deep vertical threat. So I'm totally fine with him being on the roster. You just got to understand that He's not really going to contribute much this season, but I think the Rams feel good about that. And we know their draft approach for the last couple of years, at least has been, let's draft guys two, three years into their rookie contract. That's when we can count on them to start. We've seen it with many guys. You look this season, Brian Allen entering his third season, David Long Jr. entering his third season. Now both starters, both quality players as well. So it's worked out well for the Rams. And I think I would prefer Atwell for now, but it really depends. I mean, one injury on the offensive line and, I would switch my answer pretty quickly. So we'll see on that one. But the next one's from at BK Bebon. Again, he said, following Deshaun Jackson's LA breakout last week, do you see his target share increasing? And if so, at the expense of who? I'm not really sure that it's necessarily going to increase. I think the role that they had him in last week was kind of how they envisioned using him. You know, this guy's just not really a full-time 70 snap player, in my opinion. I think they feel good about, you know, giving him a shot or two deep every game and then sort of just rotating with Van Jefferson, who's maybe a little bit more, 
dependable in terms of the short to intermediate stuff. Uh, maybe he sees a few more snaps. I think that would be reasonable. And obviously that would come at the expense of Jefferson, in my opinion. But in terms of the target share, I don't necessarily think that Deshaun Jackson is going to have those games where, you know, he's targeted 10 plus times at most, you know, three, four, maybe five in his best games. But in terms of his actual role, I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last week. Of course, he's not going to hit those 75 yard tugs every week, but that's the plan. I think the Rams feel good about where they're at in the receiver situation. If he does find his way onto the field more, maybe a few more targets. I think the logical choice to replace those targets would obviously have to come from Van Jefferson. So on to the next one here from at DBrez6. He said, is this the week the running game gets leaned on a little more or does staff daddy still sling it around like he's playing backyard football? That is a good question. I mean, on one hand, the Rams probably want to run the ball a little bit more just because they haven't ran it much throughout three games so far. Really, the majority of their runs have come in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter where they're already winning by two scores, three scores, 20 points even. And they're just basically trying to kill a clock. And, you know, I think they probably want to be maybe a little bit more balanced in terms of their running and passing. But at the same time, oh my God, is it fun to watch Stafford sling that ball? So I hope from an entertainment perspective, it doesn't change because I'm having the most fun probably I've ever had watching the Rams right now, at least in the last decade, it feels like every single snap, it could be a touchdown. That's how it feels right now. That's how explosive they are. And I think that's just such a refreshing feeling. It feels so renewed, like that sense of faith watching these guys and knowing that every time they go out on the field, the offense, the expectation is to come away with seven points and that every single time the ball is snapped, it could end in a 50, 60, 70 yard touchdown. That is so different compared to what we saw in 2019 and 2020. So Personally, I hope nothing changes, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all if maybe they look at this Cardinals roster, maybe in the next few weeks, they see teams that are a little bit worse at defending the run and start to shift towards more of that game plan a little bit. We'll see, but it's really up to anyone's guess here because Sean McVay's been keeping me on my toes, you know, as much as he ever has. It's hard to know what's going on with the Rams this season. The next one and the last one for this segment, my guy, friend of the podcast at Hayden Winks, the man, the myth, the legend, he said, Are these 75% Henderson snap rate weeks over with now that the Rams durability concerns have already propped up there with Daryl Henderson? You know, that is a good question. And it is hard to really guess because Sean McVay's done this weird song and dance where, you know, he says he doesn't want to do one thing and then he ends up doing the opposite. And throughout the off season, throughout the first week, the second week, he's always said, this is Henderson's job to lose. And you look back to week one, Henderson played like 75, 80% of the snaps, like Hayden said. Week two, he damn near played every single snap on offense. And then, of course, this past week, he didn't play at all. He was hurt. So now going into week four, it's questionable. I think if Henderson is out there, and he might be, there's no chance he plays that 75, 80% just because you don't want to run him into the ground. And I think maybe for the next two or three weeks, while he's still getting back into 100%, You can expect maybe at best 50 or 60% where he and Michelle are sort of just splitting work together. Now, the interesting question is what's going to happen when Henderson is 100% in three weeks, in four weeks, in six weeks? Are they going to go back to that Henderson 75% like Hayden mentioned, or is it going to be a timeshare? I tend to think it's going to be leaning towards that Henderson 75% just because Sean McVay has always had one running back that he's relied on way more than everyone else. You look back to the 2017, 18, 19 days, it was Todd Gurley. You look back to 2020 and it took, you know, 10 weeks, but 
Cam Akers took over like in week 10 and they never looked back. At that point, it was 25, 29, 28 touches per game for Akers. So that just seems like what they want to do. It seems like that's when their offense is best flowing, when they're in their best rhythm. And maybe he doesn't want it to be like that because Henderson does have durability concerns and you just don't know how long a guy like that can last with 20 touches per game. But I genuinely think we can expect to see Henderson around that 70 to 80% snap share. Maybe a few touches go to Michelle just to try and extend his durability a little bit throughout the rest of the season. But for the majority of the part, I expect Henderson to be back as that running back one and get a decent work share moving forward. It just seems like the Sean McVay era has always had a guy like that. And I don't see why he would change at this point. It seems like a tiger can't change his stripe. So that's my guess, but I really, really don't know. I think that's a great question. And it's really up to anyone's guess. I feel like Sean McVay might not even know at this point. You know, he's going to have to adjust moving forward once Henderson is healthy. And he has both guys back there. You know, if Michelle does good this week, maybe his plan changes. So very, very questionable, but we'll see because that is an important question to be answered for all fantasy football players, myself included, and everyone else that listens to the podcast who does play fantasy football. I know a lot of us are ripping our hair out of our heads, just wondering what's going to happen. So we'll see moving forward throughout the rest of this week. Make sure to keep tuning back in here. For your first daily listen at the Lockdown Rams podcast, we're going to continue along recapping this game going into next week and breaking down everything that happened in this week four contest between the Rams and the Cardinals. So make sure to tune into that. And I wanted to tell you guys quickly about one of our sponsors for today's episode. You've heard me talk about the Built Bar many times here. It is by far the best protein bar on the market. I've tried a bunch of different ones. Some are chalky, some are gross, some are just not high in protein, some are too expensive. The Built Bar, you do not have any of these issues when it comes to them. You can design your own package however you prefer. They have upwards of 9, 10 different flavors, so you can choose whatever you like. Avoid what you don't like. Of course, some things are not going to be for everyone. The bars are low in calories. They're low in sugar. They're high in fiber. They have 19 grams of protein per bar, and they're also delicious. I mean, you can't go wrong here. They even work for you if you are on the keto diet, so there is no issues there. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do, just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Now we can dive into this final segment here and get through these last few questions. You guys just peppered me with some of these questions, man. They are good. So we'll dive into them. The next one's from at Go. He said, I know it's early in the season, but how do you feel about the rookies besides some minimal snaps here or there? I don't see them getting much playing time. Is that good or bad? I think it's a good thing. The less you got to rely on rookies, the more established your roster probably is. And like you mentioned, Tutu Atwell really not done anything, not on offense at least. Guys like Jacob Harris, Bobby Brown, they really haven't played either. The only rookie that the Rams have really prominently found somewhat of a role for, at least on defense, is Robert Rochelle, the cornerback. So, you know, that's a good thing in my opinion. It's hard to judge these guys right now. Of course, we have really nothing to go off of, so we can't even suggest how they've played you know we just kind of got to put it in the back pocket until next season probably but in my opinion it's a good thing you can't complain give these guys a year or two to get used to the game the speed of the game develop and then count on them next year the next one's from at will carella he said i know this team's absolutely humming but what would you say is your biggest concern besides injuries that's boring and uh that's a good question of course i would have said injuries had will not called me out there so i'm gonna go with just that chemistry aspect. How long is it going to take to clean up some of those gimmies, right? Because I want to say that you can't afford to miss those every week because it's going to catch up to you. But the Rams just played arguably the best team in football 
and embarrassed them. I mean, the Rams bodied the Bucs. There was no contest there. I mean, outside of the first quarter, the Rams looked like the better team for every single moment of that game. There was no point in that game where I thought they were going to lose. So it's hard to say that, you know, they got to clean up those things. But you look to that first drive, that second drive even, there was like a miss pass to Cooper Cup or two actually, two misses to Cooper Cup that probably would have gained like 40 to 50 yards in total. So that's a lot of yardage you lost. Then of course, the underthrow to Deshaun Jackson, that's a walk-in 75-yard touchdown. So, I mean, I can't go with injuries. There's really no concerns right now for me. This defense has been good. The offense has been good. I can't cherry pick really anything. So I'm going to go with the chemistry. I just want to see how long it's going to take to clean up some of those gimmies, get that stuff out of the arsenal, get into 100% playing position and shape really, and just chemistry, right? You see guys like Robert Woods who still haven't gotten his footing underneath him. And it seems like he and Stafford just missing something is there's still something there that needs to be found. So I just want to see how quickly they can get that chemistry down. The next one's from at rain with the came. He said, where has Terrell Burgess been? And when do you think he'll have a role on the defense? That's a good question, man. I don't know what the answer is because I would have suggested that Burgess would have had a role from day one. I mean, that is the kind of talent that I want on the field all the time or as much as possible. And I think even going back to my episode with Jordan Rodriguez in the off season, I highlighted Terrell Burgess as the breakout star. It was either me or Jordan. I can't remember. I do believe it was me though. And I mean, this is a guy that I genuinely think is a tremendous football player. So it sucks that he can't find his way onto the field. Uh, when is that going to change? I don't know. I think the Rams feel pretty good about what they have right now. At best, he might replace some of those snaps that Nick Scott has had throughout the first few games, which is like 10 to 15 snaps per game. So not exactly a prominent role either way. But I think at some point, I hope to see it. You know, I just think his ceiling is a lot higher than Nick Scott. I think he could be the best safety on this team, regardless of the starters too. So I hope it's soon, but really I have no idea because Sean McVay, Raheem Morris, those guys seem to have their own ideas in terms of what they want to do with that personnel. The next one is from at Dylan like, whoa, he said, serious question. I know a lot of people have been asking for a long time. Are you going to take that shot before the show to loosen yourself up a little bit? I did not take that shot. I thought about it. I thought long and hard about it, but I'm cutting right now, man. I'm in a diet phase. I'm down about six and a half pounds trying to get closer to single digit body fat percentage. That is probably not going to happen because I just don't know that it's in my genetic wheelhouse, Uh, but close to 10%. I think that would be pretty good for me. And I can't afford to waste those calories on the liquid calories. And mind you, this is my work, man. I can't get hammered and go to work. So we're going to keep it mature here. No alcohol for me. Maybe next week. I don't know. We'll see if the Rams win next week. You know, maybe that shot will be on the table. I can't guarantee you guys have to keep checking in here at the Lockdown Rams podcast. So we'll see. The next one's from at J underscore name tag. He said, do you think you would get more play if you just said that the wall behind you is not white, that it's bone? And that's a good observation. To be quite honest with you, I don't know how white that is. It's not exactly like a crystal clear white color. So, I mean, call it bone if you want, right? That that works with me. So, hey, man, we'll see. I, I got to throw up something on these walls, make it a little bit more colorful. Uh, but I never knew you guys cared so much. I wanted to keep this as basic as possible. Me, the camera, the mic, and just the words coming out of my mouth that matter. But apparently... Man, fans, you guys care about so much stuff other than substance, you know? You don't care about the product on the field. You care about the stadium, the uniforms, the sock colors, the logo. I'm all about the product on the field, the words coming out of the mouth. But I guess you guys want to see some visuals as well. So tune in next week. Maybe we'll have something on that wall. I got those questions out of the way now. Kind of get back to the serious ones here. The next one's from at Anthony underscore Mars. He said, I know this might be a very broad question, but which defense is doing better so far between the Rams and the Chargers? 
And when you look at the EPA per play, Rams rank 11th, Chargers 17th. The Rams are also better in success rate, 49.3%, Chargers 52%. The Rams higher in dropback EPA, which stands for expected points added, by the way. It takes into context a lot of different things from expected yardage from that down and distance and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really good all-encompassing statistic. The Rams are better in dropback EPA, rush EPA, EPA per play. So it's pretty hard to say that the Rams are not the better defense right now. So we'll see what happens moving forward. That's definitely a really good question and something I'm definitely concerned, not necessarily concerned, but intrigued about moving forward to see how it's going to shake out. But right now, Raheem Morse has done great. There's really nothing to complain about, I don't think. All in all, we'll see if they get a little bit tighter and gel towards the end of the season, kind of like how Brandon Staley's defense did because they weren't a finished product in week one. They were the best at week 10, 12, 16, 17 in the playoffs. So we'll see if Raheem Morris can match that moving forward throughout the rest of the season. The next one from my guy, Mr. Background, Mr. At No Plan B, Bait, the legend. He said, besides Aaron Donald wrecking shop, which may be the only answer, what's the Rams' best approach against an Arizona offense that features Rondale friggin' Moore as its wide receiver four, has an excellent pass catching back in Chase Edmonds, and Michael Vick at quarterback. And I mean, you kind of answered it there. It's going to be that pass rush for sure. You got to get home. And even if you can't get home, you need to just apply a lot of pressure. You need to move Kyler Murray off his spot. And you know, that guy likes to run around, which can be both good and bad in terms of he's going to extend plays and your coverage probably can't hold up for 10 seconds. So that's the bad aspect of it. But the good part of it is if you're moving him to his right, flushing him to his right, you just condense the field to 35, 40% of the field compared to if he's just sitting in the pocket, he can throw right, he can throw left. So there is positives to just pressuring a guy and moving him off his spot as well. And I think the Rams have done a, such a good job over the last two years when Kyler Murray's been their quarterback at just rushing. You know, you're going to see a lot of stunts up front, a lot of different games, guys maintaining the rush lanes. They need everybody up front to win. If it's Leonard Floyd, if it's Obo Okoronko, Chris Garrett, Aaron Donald, Sebastian Joseph Day, whoever is rushing the passer, these guys need to win because the coverage is going to be hard on the back end. They've got good receivers, like you mentioned. Kyler Murray is a guy that could turn a negative seven-yard play into a 27-yard gain in literally the flick of a finger. So they need to maintain their rush lanes. I think the easiest way to contain this offense is is going to be to apply pressure consistently, sack the quarterback, get him thinking, get him in his own head, like they always do to Russell Wilson, like they've done to Kyler Murray. I expect the same to happen in this game, like they've had a lot of success, but we'll see. This is a different Cardinals offense, so maybe they're a little bit better this season around. This last question is from at Quinton12. He said, last week's matchup against the Bucks made me think of a fun hypothetical. Instead of ever signing Jared Goff to that extension, the Rams hold out and they signed Tom Brady two off-seasons ago. Would you prefer that scenario or the Rams to still give up picks to make the Stafford trade or the alternative where they keep the picks and sign Brady despite being more than a decade older? Man, that is a good question. I mean, if they could have got Tom Brady, I would have been happy with that. I mean, I think that would have been the better alternative if you can keep your two first-round picks, another pick, and then have Tom Brady instead of Matthew Stafford. But like you mentioned, Matthew Stafford's like 34 years old. The guy can play maybe another 10 years if he wants. There's really no limit to how long this guy can play versus Tom Brady. His body can fall apart at any point in time. And I know he's the goat and it feels like he's never going to fall off, but he has to fall off at some point. The guy might just say, screw it. I'm done next year. Right? So 
it's a little bit of a would you rather kind of win now versus later situation. But at the same time, Stafford looks like he's the best quarterback in football right now, too. So I don't know that Tom Brady gives you the edge right now, and he certainly won't give you the edge in eight years. So I probably would have said Tom Brady just because of the picks, but I can assure you I'm happier than I've ever been with this team with Matthew Stafford back there. I feel so confident at that quarterback position. I feel like the Rams are the best team in football. I've talked about that all week on the podcast, and they're in a great situation to represent themselves in SoFi Stadium in January or February, I want to say, when it's Super Bowl time. And they did announce the halftime show for the Super Bowl, which, by the way, is going to be the best it's ever been. Thank God they finally listened and got some hip-hop on there. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg. I mean, come on. You can't really beat that. This is going to be a West Coast performance on the West Coast, SoFi Stadium. Hopefully the Rams are playing in this game, man. That would be awesome. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. As always, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you for always listening and making us your first daily listen here at the Locked On Rams podcast. This is the biggest month we've ever had at the pod, so I appreciate you guys so much for always tuning back in here. Enjoy this game. It's going to be a very good contest between the Rams and the Cardinals in week four. Hopefully the Rams come out on top and they're 4-0. And the next time we talk, we have a good game to recap and another win that would be so awesome. Enjoy this one. It's going to be a good one. As always, you can find us on Twitter at QB's MEP at Locked On Rams and on YouTube at Locked On Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.